Welcome back, Red Spotters! Another Sugar in the Red Spotlight podcast from your host, Alexis Soto, joined by David Francisco for another installment of our weekly segment series recapping the latest Disney Plus Marvel series. And this is, of course, the recap for Miss Marvel, the second episode titled Crushed. Last week, of course, we discussed the first installment. Today, we're going to break down the episode... First of all, I'll give a spoiler-free initial impression overall, and then get into all the stuff that happened, as well as what we think would happen in the coming episodes of this series. That's all here on episode number 399. Uh, before we get going into more of uh, Ms. Marvel, I do want to clarify a couple of programming notes. The upcoming 400th episode... Uh, will be released this Sunday as it is. There's always a podcast every single Sunday. And Peter and I will be giving not one, not two, not three, not four, but five movie reviews. That is right. <laughs> last I checked, uh, yeah, it was pre-recorded. But last I checked, it was a three and a half hour podcast. So that's all for you guys. That's a, a super stretched, um, stuffed episode for the 400th. And the movies that we discussed were... Uh, the Bob's Burgers movie, Top Gun Maverick, a film you may not be uh, familiar with, but will be once you hear our review of it, RRR, a latest um, Indian film from the Tollywood circuit that's currently streaming on Netflix, and one that I would say is not to be missed ever, as well as the um, Jurassic World Dominion film, and also, what was the other one? Um... Oh yes, Fantastic Piece: The Secrets of Dumbledore, mm. <laughs> which I periodically forget exists. I also am aware that uh, the film was somewhat discussed on the latest uh, Turn to Page uh, episode, which of course you can catch on a semi-weekly basis or maybe a bi-monthly basis. I'm not sure how often you guys release new episodes, but you seem to do it pretty often. So of course that's the podcast where they recap. Uh, it's more like a book club podcast where they. You know, break down the uh, chapters of the classic Harry Potter books. And so there is that. A lot of stuff already out there. Of course, again, so much content this month. If you're looking for Obi-Wan recaps, I know that we did do recaps for the first three episodes. We have not um, had a chance to sit down with Kyle or with Peter to really haven't had the time really to with all the content that we have to get to Obi-Wan. But I'm sure the finale will air next week and then we'll get a chance to actually review the series as a whole. As far as Stranger Things, I believe we've had two separate discussions, one which was rather brief, and then the other one that we w- was released last week with David, uh, which was a full breakdown of the first uh, half of this fourth season of Stranger Things. So, Jesus, so much <laughs> content um, lately. It's incredible. I know that this on the week that Lightyear comes out in theaters, and then, of course, we'll have a review with that. And then the following week, we'll have um, Elvis. You know, the latest by Boz Lerman. Then, of course, the second half of Stranger Things 4 drops um, on Netflix. And then I'm sure I'm blanking out so much other stuff here and there. Um, but, yeah, interestingly enough, uh, before we get into any of uh, the Marvel stuff, David, um, I have ye- I know we've discussed Dragon Ball and we've discussed Dragon Ball Super at length on previous episodes of Red Spotlight before. And I know you are a fellow fan of it. Did you ever get the chance to see um, – now, again, I am periodically behind or maybe I should say perpetually behind on a lot of stuff. So I've yet to see the Dragon Ball Super Broly film. Hmm. Um, I know Broly is a big character, a very popular character from a non-canon film. 
which is why he was brought over to the canon because he was so popular. I I know he's big. I know he has big hair, but then again, so do a lot of Saiyans, don't they? Um, but I've yet to see that particular movie. I know it's been out for a couple of years now. Did you get a chance to see Broly? Have you already seen it? Uh, yeah, I saw it in theaters actually when it came out. Um, okay, when did when was that? Ooh, must have been a couple of years ago. I, I actually can't remember the date exactly. See, it's but, like it's so weird. I know that I know that Super technically had its finale in 2018, but for me, it was just last year <laughs> because I just saw the whole thing last year. So I'm like really behind. So I haven't. I ha- I need to see that one. And then Superhero, from what I saw, was coming out August 12th or something. Do you plan mm. to go see that in theaters? Um, yeah, I would like to. Um, I haven't really kept up with the release date of it, so I'm sure if it no, pops up. No, because I saw a poster for it at Cinemark, which is our oh. local theater um, uh, here in Southern California. I know David used to be here. He's now um, a local of the Arizona variety. But um, our theater is going to be playing it. It seems like it is going to be playing it. Uh, It says here, August 19th, excuse me, exclusively in movie theaters, August 19th. And I'm kind of curious because this seems to be the, one of the rare um, stories where, I mean, I'm looking at the poster and I've seen the marketing and I have some familiarity with it. And it seems to be based on Gohan and Piccolo. And it's not uh, a Goku Vegeta thing, which is really interesting. mm -hmm. No, yeah, I actually like that because Gohan and, Piccolo, um, they're always a great team up, honestly, just because they're both like the smartest pre- people in the whole mm-hmm. group. So I'm very They're part of the, of the universe. Uh, the, the tournament of power was really great. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. And I mean, they both kind of led the team, basically. Mm-hmm. And so it was great. So yeah, I'm actually kind of curious as to what kind of dangers they'll be in. But also, the poster that you saw, Piccolo mm-hmm. looked yellowish, they're right? Yellowish... I think it's still meant to be green, but I think they're playing with a little bit of the colorization with the animation because I'm seeing it here. Um, it's it's more like a green yellow. I'm not sure what that choice means. I don't know if it's a story thing or if it's um, just a new choice to to see how he looks like. Um, mm-hmm. You could still you could I could say green yellow. You know? Yeah, I could still see the green in there. I don't know what necessarily that is um, in reference to or what the significance of that would be. But as somebody who is a big fan of this series and uh, actually a big fan of more than just Goku and Vegeta, even though I love seeing them together, I'm never going to like not, you know, be happy to see them. But it is something um, special, I think, to have gohan and piccolo have the limelight and seemingly anchor this movie from what i can from what this poster suggests and what the marketing suggests and i think that's a kind of a cool thing um so i am gonna need to find somebody to see this with um or i'll just go on my own because i kind of want to see this because i've never seen anything dragon ball in theaters and i think i should and mm-hmm. I had pl- I had plenty of chances. I I don't know what it was that I completely missed out on Battle of Gods when that came out, which was almost mm-hmm. ten years ago. Yeah, and that one's great. Honestly, I think that yeah. was my favorite one out of all the movies, just because mm-hmm. I love the concept of it <laughs> and everything. Also, it had been a while. I'd say it's anything new. 
uh at that point battle of gods is the beginning right of like of this like new like renaissance of dragon ball content yeah for sure and apparently the guy uh um toriyama yeah the he we made it and it was because he hated the live action one so much that he didn't have to make something new <laughs> apparently really? i did not know that <laughs> yeah i i mean i only saw that i heard that from one youtube video but i mean uh-huh. it makes sense i guess <laughs> you know what if that is the case then you see, this is why sometimes we have to be grateful when pieces of shit exist, especially in <laughs> art, because then you never know. Because you can make the argument that if that film, the awful one that we, that I often forget exists because there's no reason to think of it as actually existing. But in this case, it seems like it actually resulted in some good, which was, you know, a revival, if that, of this entire thing. And I mean, yeah, um, it's pretty cool. I'm, I'm pretty happy that. Mm-hmm. We're still getting new content and new stories with um this era. Mm-hmm. And I for the new movie, I kind of hope they keep the animation as the one from Broly because I don't know if you remember seeing the trailers for it, but like no. the animation style was it, it looked very similar to like how it originally looked uh the show. But you know, obviously, it's like a little bit touched up, and they added some CGI. Um, when you say the it. show, are you talking about Z, the original yeah. Dragon Ball? Or Dragon okay. Ball Z, okay. yeah. Like, like the animation, just kind of like it had this like little graininess to it and mm. everything, and um, so yeah, and they just there was they, yeah there was some CGI mostly like in the big the lasers and all that. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but yeah, I kind of hope to keep that art style with this new movie i mm. love that <laughs> yeah um yeah I, I i certainly this is now on my radar so i want to make sure to see that um anyway i also want to discuss something else um before we get into the miss marvel of, of it all and i, I promise this is not a uh not gonna t- it's not gonna take up too much time but first of all um last week's episode of miss marvel had the Avenger Con. And I want to make a couple of things pretty clear. As far as, like, production design is concerned, and all of the, like, merchandise that was on display and all the cool little figurines and displays that was at that con- at that uh, convention, I just want to make it clear. While I had issues with the idea that this universe, like, knows a lot of those, like, characters to the point where they would be celebrating them, that's just a nitpick. But I think it's a strong one because it's pretty... I think consistent throughout a lot of these Marvel um, properties, but as far as like the, the look of how all that came together, I thought it was outstanding. Mm. It would be like it would it would be a con that I would want to go to, and then I didn't even realize. I guess they didn't mention it, but maybe it was clear because when you when you remember that when they walk into the convention, they have the song "The Star Spangled Man with a Plan" playing, which is from you know the first mm-hmm. Avenger, Captain America, <laughs> and I did not realize. That the location for this adventure con, which is actually pretty clever, was supposed to be Camp Lehigh, which is the same location that we – well, that's where Captain America was made from the first Avenger. We saw it again in, in Winter Soldier when Nat – well, we saw it get blown up in, for, in mm. the Winter Soldier, so I guess they must have rebuilt it. And this is the same place where they went back in time uh, where Tony uh, and um, Steve were reunited with you know with uh, Tony's father and then also Steve looking lo- uh, longingly for Peggy in Avengers mm. Endgame. So – it's a very like it's a big location in the MCU, and I just did not realize that. Did you realize that when you when you saw it last week? Uh, nope, <laughs> not at all. I've never guessed it. 
But that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> Isn't it? No, I, I, I rather enjoyed that reveal. But then, you know, there is another aspect of this um, that I think ultimately um, bolsters how I felt with um, a lot of the, well, shall we say, merchandise that was on display. And I think it was from more no no that's just not his name he's he's obviously uh the you know people change their twitter names you know left and right but i think it was um at brown table uh underscore ent um known as brown table but he had some pretty great uh, he had a great tweet thread that i think really encapsulated my frustration with the idea that some of these people you know, a lot of these people like know like who the fuck gamora is or like the not the Groot that exists now but the Groot of like the first Guardians of the Galaxy which they have they would have no idea how that Groot mm. would look like first of all but this actually was um this goes back to an issue David that we had all the way since WandaVision when they open up an episode and you have Monica Rambeau Darcy and Jimmy Woo basically discussing like as if they were there in person the battle for the universe uh mm. you know the, the climactic battle at the end of Avengers Endgame with such like description where it's like, wait, how do they know? Like, did, did was somebody like, did they watch the movie? That That's how, you know, they were talking about it. And so ever since then, it's been rather inconsistent because then you get the Hawkeye, right? Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden that the idea that everybody knows what happened in Endgame goes out the window because then you have one of the one of what is supposed to be one of the best spies on the planet, um, Yelena Belova, no understanding or idea whatsoever of like the sacrifice that her sister made, and you know at that point we were like, well, of course, because in this universe, no one seems to have given a shit that Natasha sacrificed herself, mm-hmm. and you can tell that I think Marvel heard that criticism because ever since then. Well, ever since the Hawkeye show, they've been going out of their way to include Natasha in more of these, like, quote-unquote rituals, or, like, not rituals, but these, like, memorials. Mm-hmm. As in last week, there was this, uh, I guess, this memorial where you had Natasha and Tony side by side. Um, and I guess they kind of realized their mistake there. But it goes back to, like, this inconsistency as to, like, okay, do people know the intricate details or do they not? And last week's Miss Marvel episode... I don't think made any made anything any clearer. If only it made things more more confusing. Because according to Kamala, she got all her information from like this podcast that Scott Lang has. Okay, <laughs> I don't think that's true. Okay, here here I have um, Kevin Feige was confronted with this from the creators of this show, um, and then I'm getting this in the direct. Kevin Feige turned down a suggested retcon for Avengers Endgame's final battle. Um, from Miss Marvel writer Bisha K. Ali. I fucked up that name. I'm sorry. Uh, Bisha K. Ali. That's my best way I can say it. I'm sorry if I mispronounced your name. And then this is what the, this person was saying. I was like, Kevin, what if there was like drones and a live stream of the Battle of Endgame? And he was like, Bisha, no. Okay, you see, but what does that tell you? There is an inconsistency here. There's a problem here. I'm not even sure Feige himself is aware of it or thinks it's a big enough deal. And so back to the brown table guy. He was saying, okay, but for real though, I understand what she's getting at. When a plot point comes around that the world knows not only the Avengers, but the Guardians too? 
and Captain Marvel, etc. It's like, wait, how do they know them? How can these people love these heroes? Straight up, you can have Scott Lang talk about the battle on a podcast, sure, it's a fine workaround, but it's not the same as human beings actually being emotionally moved by seeing these heroes risk their lives for them. So when I see Groot merch, the Captain Marvel statue in the Miss Marvel show, it just feels very hollow to me. It works in the journey, but given what we, I'm sorry, it works in the context of the story for Kamala and her journey, but given what we've seen in the larger MCU, AvengerCon does not feel earned and has no weight to me. And I think this just falls under a key issue the MCU has, which is having so many fights without large human element present. Example, No Way Home's apartment fight has no civilians in the apartment for some reason. Infinity War's final battle takes place in Wakanda, Endgame in a field. Adding people would add to the feeling that these heroes are real and genuine. It's important that people see these heroes and are saved by them. So when the Miss Marvel writer comes in and says, hey, Let's have drones show the final battle to the world. I don't think of it as a shit idea. I see it as a legitimate attempt to add humanity into the mix. Again, having people witness these heroes and events through footage makes AvengerCon and the praising of the Guardians and Captain Marvel so much more valid compared to hearing Scott Land simply talk about them. This has been on my mind since watching Miss Marvel's banger first episode, and I just wanted to put it out there. Sorry, it's a long thread. But, I mean, sorry, not sorry. I think he's right. That's kind of like mm-hmm. where, it, where it, it kind of boils down my problems with what I saw on display, not just in that episode of Miss Marvel, but throughout the MCU. Your thoughts, David? No, yeah, and that's also, honestly, kind of, it's kind of dumb because you know, I know some people will probably be like, oh, we want like a full-on explanation as to how people know this kind of stuff. But it's like, no, not really. Just something simple. What a drone thing is fine. And the podcast is fine too. But, you know, um, maybe not everyone will listen to it or something. Or because it's only for, coming from one guy, how will everyone actually know what he's talking about? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just... <laughs> With Scott Lang's podcast, like I feel like his description of some of these characters is going to be off, and so to get actu- accurate portrayals of these things, and well, like the Groot thing, he sees Groot as his teenage self, I guess. So how do people know his adult Again, self to be clear, looks like? The, the Groots that we see in these movies are are two different characters. James Gunn confirmed mm-hmm. that the Groot of the first movie died. Like, he didn't mm-hmm. just, like, come back to life as baby Groot. No, this is just a new being. That's yeah. a Groot, but not... That's This is the new Groot, but the old Groot is dead. Mm-hmm. And they're different personalities. They're different people, different consciousness. That, I think, should be clear. Yeah. And so, just for... Just little explanations of these kind of things, uh, like, they should really make an effort in putting them on. I feel like the best example of this is Doctor Who, where, like... A lot of there's always like a bunch of stuff happening. Um, you know, it's not really like a big description, but you know, in the beginning of the series, he uh, he mentions like, "Oh, I can't go back to the time war. It's it's locked. Mm-hmm. You know, it's too dangerous for me to go away. How do they fix it? A uh, sentient machine that's able to break the laws of time and space mm-hmm. <laughs> to get him um, back there. You know, and it's kind of like, is it? Kind of far-fetched, yeah, but, you know, at least it's an explanation. Yeah. You know? Doctor Who never so. met a plot point that couldn't just retcon around. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Um, Mr. Uh, uh, Davies, can you please uh, find a workaround for that timeless tile bullshit? <laughs> uh, good please. Luck, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And, and actually, another one is um how Capaldi, you know, in Capaldi's era, the first episode, he kind of he looks at a reflection of himself and he goes, I know that face. I've seen that face. Like, mm-hmm. how is it? And on one hand, they, they say that, uh, who was that lizard lady? Um, which oh, uh, Madame Vastra? Yeah, Vastra. Um, you know, uh, in that first episode, she explains like, oh, the doctor chose an older man's face because he's no longer running away from uh, the time war. He's mm-hmm. like, you know, he's he only did it so he can like be with you people, you know, like be a part of your uh, world and all that. And it, that, uh, I love that description that like he's no longer running away. He's finally accepting like who he really was, which is like an old man looking type wise wise uh wiser than anyone but then later on they're like oh wait no <laughs> i didn't choose this face like the time lords chose it because they were sending me some kind of message or mm-hmm. something like that like later on and so there's always like different things going on and you know and you can choose the one you want and so they can do the same with the mcu like it, i think it's just totally fine you know not everyone's gonna watch all of these stuff so they can just make up whatever they want. <laughs> no, absolutely. So, yeah, David, I'm just, uh, yeah, it's something that I wish there was, I don't know, some people would pick up on. And it's just like, I look, I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not harping on the idea, that, you know, there are people in this MCU that are huge ultra fans of the heroes. Of course they would be. But in the examples that we just saw in this AvengerCon, it just seems highly unlikely. Like, who the fuck would these people, like... How would they know who the Guardians are, much less what they are about? Like, okay, let's just say, let's follow this train of thought. If all the information we know is from Scott Lang's podcast, oh yeah, there were these, like, the this uh, team of aliens, and they're weird, and they helped save the world, and they're kind of funny. But, like, what, Scott Lang maybe knew them for... Okay, being charitable, maybe he had an extended convo with rocket or with nebula since they weren't blipped you know Mm -hmm. being charitable to that and maybe he like picked up some things here and there like what their whole like thing was about but to have like be that hyper descriptive with um all of the people who were involved there uh i don't know i think you're really stretching um you're stretching the bounds and what you were saying earlier with like well yeah why why not just have a fucking live stream or have somebody recorded it and like maybe somebody like i don't know put it on the internet and then that's how everybody knew uh especially because and i want to get to this next point because i also um this this was kind of odd um because uh first of all this next thing has to do with an entry i believe from marvel.com and we have to take that with the grainest of salt maybe even just consider the idea that it was just something fun and not anything official because as we know what happened earlier this year someone on I guess on the payroll went on Marvel.com uh, on behalf of the Marvel team and had a paragraph in there that the that Matt Murdock from the Daredevil series was the same Matt Murdock as the one from No Way Home. And that, of course, was deleted that same weekend as soon as it was noticed. So we want to be very careful about that. But this has not been deleted. Um, and this was actually pretty interesting with uh, what uh, – Apparently, one of the things that people saw in the background of that first episode in the AvengerCon was there was this booth of this guy who was selling a book 
uh, like, I was there at the Battle of, uh, I guess, Endgame or whatever they call it. Hmm. It's not clear what they're calling it. But anyway, um, what was it called here? This particular person um, is being listed in the website or whatever as a agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. And that is odd for a couple of reasons, right? First of all, with the understanding, of course, that the audience should be aware that David and I happen to really love that show. And um, we are one of the few people who would like, you know, we can when we feel like it. Like, oh, yeah, sure, we can connect all of it together. It's all in the same continuity. It's on the MCU. But in actuality, the films never really treat that particular show with any kind of validity. Like, ever. That's never happened, right? Uh, maybe you can make an argument here and there with, like, something that – like, allusions to something, but it wasn't the actual – there's never going to be a movie. There never has been a movie at this point that has, like, addressed that show, those characters, or any of the events that happened in that show. So, just to be clear. But here's where it gets weird because, okay, what do you mean an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. was there at the Battle of Endgame? Because when was the last time we saw S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movie MCU? It was the Winter Soldier, right? Because, see, this is where it gets inconsistent. So, in the Winter Soldier, it is firmly established that S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization collapsed and then... We never came back to that. We never in, in this universe of the films, right? Unless I'm, I'm mistaken. I don't think I am, David. I think I would know about this. But just to be clear, I don't think we ever saw S.H.I.E.L.D. fully back in any capacity as a full-blown organization or as a side thing. Not even a mention. I mean, well, that's not true. There have been mentions, but none of those mentions were in regard to its existing in that present time after the Winter Soldier, correct? Mm-hmm. It was just gone. And it yeah. never came back. Of course, the the Shield show, it, Shield did come back on the show, but as the movies, that didn't happen. There was this one, um, I guess, line of dialogue that you can take it one way or the other in Age of Ultron, where Pietro is like asking, "Is the Shield as the helicarriers, you know, ha- come out of the clouds to save the people?" And then Cap says, "This is what Shield is supposed to be." Again, not really sure what that means, even though Nick Fury says in that in that same I think uh, sequence that. Uh, took it out of storage with a couple of old friends with, you know, because he saw season two of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, uh, Agent Coulson, Theta Protocol, prepared that helicarrier for an event like this. So that's the continuity of sorts, but they don't actually say, oh, yeah, Coulson did it in Age of Ultron. It was just a couple of old friends. So that's the most we got out of it. Okay. Well, since then, the only organization closest to S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movies has been S.W.O.R.D. Well, not the movies. Well, well, the MCU, because you have WandaVision, because S.W.O.R.D. was a big part of WandaVision. And that, in many ways, is seen as a successor to S.H.I.E.L.D., as this next kind of organization that is more space-bound, if anything. Um, so, Age of Ultron, no, excuse me, Endgame takes place in the year 2023 and says, and this is a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, it doesn't seem to make any sense that S.H.I.E.L.D. agents would be a thing when there is no organization, unless they're talking about somebody who was a former S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, which they've done that plenty of times. This is how the article goes. Apparently, it was really, it really was all hands on deck during Avengers Endgame Epic Battle of Earth, which at least, with at least one agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. included. Um, in Miss Marvel, uh, the scenes set at AvengerCon featured Marvel, uh, marvelous amounts of e- Easter eggs. 
Um, Kamala and Bruno took in the cosplay and merch-filled spectacle, but one fleeting image uh, it was since has, it has since been revealed. In fact, connects Shield to the Battle of Earth at the huh, lol, thirty-four uh, minutes and fifteen second mark in the episode. As Kamala discovers that her frenemy Zoe Zimmer is also in attendance at AventureCon and in a Captain Marvel costume of her own, no less. One can sort of spy in the background a poster for a book titled I Was There. Um, Well, Marvel.com recently shed a lot of much-needed light on that barely perceptible Easter egg, including how it confirms that S.H.I.E.L.D., which of course was the foundation for a seven-season MCU-adjacent ABC TV series, had a small presence during the Avengers' final epic clash with Thanos, quote-unquote. If you're searching for a first-hand account of the Battle of Earth, be sure and pick up a copy of the memoir, I Was There. So this may actually tie into what we were saying beforehand. Written by a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent detailing the clash between the heroes of Earth and the alien scourge threatening to our fragile planet, notes the Marvel.com piece. The book includes a conversation with Hawkeye and a first-hand account of Tony Stark using the Infinity Gauntlet. Okay. <laughs> um, ultimately, the, what does this mean? Nothing. But it's interesting. So it, it, it seems as if, like, one of the ways to explain how people... Okay, I guess this this establishes that there are multiple sources of information for what happened in that battle. And so maybe in this way, people can piece it together. There's a whole memoir. There's even a Hawkeye interview, apparently, in this, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. agent's book. Um, okay, sure. So, first of all, how do you respond to that? And then, at least I'm far more interested in, well, what are they saying? Are they saying that S.H.I.E.L.D. as an organization still exists in this timeline? Or what's happening there? Because apparently the idea is that he was dispatched by a higher S.H.I.E.L.D. authority. So your reaction to all of that, if at, if at all. Um, I mean, again, it's, it really mostly has to do with... Um, um, uh, what did I say? I say... Um, like the source of the information because again it's just it goes back to the group thing like i know it's i know it's something small but mm-hmm. you know how do how do people know how you look like in guardians one when so far everyone who's seen him they've only seen him as his teenage self and so it just uh, i guess they're that, trying to fill in the holes yeah i mean again yeah i mean i like these reasons too it's just Again, it's very different when it's coming from someone else versus actually seeing it in the video. <laughs> yes, and then why it becomes an issue is because everyone talks about it as if they were actually there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody in this world, unless you're Yelena, who's apparently an idiot that can't look up a video on the internet, literally. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry if Kamala Khan can figure out what like that Natasha like sacrificed herself. Why couldn't Yelena Belova? Like, right? Like, mm. I- I'm not weird for like pointing that out. Like. It's. I'm saying, like, how did Yelena not know the circumstances around her sister's death, but Kamala did? Mommy, did she know that she sacrificed herself for the stone? Kamala? Yeah. We just saw it in this episode. We'll get to it. There was a moment. They, oh, they literally. I'm not, I'm not... David. They literally reenacted fucking... It was kind of tasteless and kind of, like, 
I cannot believe they did it, but it was kind of funny. They reenacted her fucking sacrifice when Bruno was holding Kamala and she, Kamala was like, you got to let me go. And then she fucking f- falls. But then she's like, it wasn't that big of a fall. That was a direct like reference to that whole thing in, in Endgame, uh, the sacrifice on Vormir. Oh. It, it was even shot that exact same way. They even held the hands exactly the same way. Seriously? <laughs> you okay. must have- <laughs> I didn't piece that together. Holy shit. <laughs> okay. That's that's <laughs> a choice. Um I mean I, I mean it's funny, but it's like it's not a bit I mean, yeah, but I mean that's what I, I guess that's that proves what I was saying is that how did Kamala know these things but Yelena could not? Mm. Doesn't make much sense, and that's why you kind of these issues kind of come out of um yeah. <laughs> it's all rather inconsistent. So there is that. Um the, uh so what do you think about the fact that there apparently there are shield agents in uh 2023 or 2024 of the MCU timeline? Um it seems I I don't want to like speak for you but it seems kind of weird cuz how did that come like where did that come from like again if you're talking about the movies themselves shield's gone it's been gone no Mm -hmm. one has talked about shield as a thing that it's been going on so what does this mean uh uh, i don't know i think they're just keeping it open (laughs) yeah i think it's an example though of them just like uh it, it, it looks like the mcu has reached the point where some things are more important than others to keep consistent than not. Mm. So I guess like if we're being real here and this is not hyperbole, I feel like this is actually pretty valid and also kind of sad because again, the agents of shield as a TV show has received such little recognition from, you know, it's siblings in this, you know, expanded universe of sorts from either it's you know tv counterparts or it's movies it's it's movie counterparts i would probably think this is the most what significant piece of knowledge no joke i know that this is rather rather meaningless and it, it kind of like is nothing but i mean it's something and it's a lot more than what the show has gotten previously because this suggests that shield is out there still as an organization, as an entity. Um, and if you remember the series finale of the seventh season ABC, tele- ABC Television Network show, um, it ends with S.H.I.E.L.D. basically back on top uh, as we began the series. Like, remember, it ends and there's a Triskelion. The, the Triskelion in Washington is back up and running. You know, Director McKenzie has a fucking, like, helicarrier now, like it seems. And, and this is where it's, that is supposed to take place technically in 2020. Um, so that would, and again, ignoring the snap, of course, right? Because that that's weird. But if you're of the persuasion that this shield exists out there in the ether of these movies, this is the closest thing you've got, really. And maybe the other thing you've got is Anson Mount as Black Bolt, because even though that was a multiversal like Black Bolt and not the same one from the Inhumans TV show, the Inhumans TV show, if you remember, 
directly connected to the Terrigen outbreak that happened on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, again, if you want to, like, if you care enough to jump through these mental gymnastics, you can get to a place of, oh, yeah, they're in the same place. But no joke, like, this this could signal, this if they are planning to ever bring back one of those characters, this could be their way of saying, oh, yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been out there. Because this is the first time I've seen this is the first indication that that's a thing out there since um, Age of Ultron. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, I don't know, like, um, we didn't talk too much because uh, we were kind of like bitching about Multiverse of Madness and the, uh, some of the other aspects that we didn't find too desirable, of course. But um, this we're now living at a time where the movies have now brought in several characters from those Marvel Entertainment era shows. You got in not only Matt Murdock and you got in um, Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, but you also brought in Anson Mount, uh, the Inhuman King. And so one has to want, and again, from what I hear, Maybe I think Jessica Jones gets brought in somewhere. And I think I know we're going to see Matt Murdock on on She-Hulk, which I guess we'll see how that works out. But um, I don't know. It, it feels like because a lot of those players have been brought into these other movies that it is more possible than it ever was before to believe that these characters could be – I mean from S.H.I.E.L.D. specifically could be used. Again – not for nothing. And I know it's been a long-ass time, and I know we haven't seen any onset pictures of Secret Invasion, but there was that long-standing rumor – well, maybe not even rumor report – by some smaller outlets early in 2021 that scooped, quote-unquote, that uh, two stars, Chloe Bennett and Clark Gregg, would some way somehow be in the mix for Secret Invasion, if not for something else spy-related. So – I don't know. I don't know. But there is that. Uh, can we go ahead and get into um, this Miss Marvel? So we're going to go ahead and discuss episode two right now. The episode is uh, titled Crushed. <laughs> and kind of appropriate because someone is crushing hard. Well, actually, a couple of somebodies are crushing hard. Mm-hmm. And it's – no one's trying to hide <laughs> that. Uh, it, so it's pretty interesting. Um so let's be real here. I think um, with this second episode, I feel like what I said last week may start to become uh, true. And that is Miss Marvel might be the exception to the rule here with uh, these Disney Plus shows because – the tone and the overall vibe of this show so like blends in perfectly with what the MCU goes for and is that this show this show's overall potential let's be clear about that um the potential for it to to be as good as it could be it might be one of the only ones that doesn't get um hindered by the fact that it's in the mcu now again i say that with just only seeing two episodes and again we've been here so many times before and then when we get to the end 
there's inevitably uh, a disappointment or two somewhere in there. But I, all of that is to say is the first episode and this episode are so good and just so brilliantly executed that it just – you're in this space where you feel as if it's kind of pretty fucking impossible to fuck it up. Again, we've been down this road before. But suffice to say, I feel like this is just a – as good as the first episode, and it continues to flesh out these characters and this story um, and this setting, and it feels a lot more alive than um, a lot of the uh, recent MCU offerings have given us. Like, Jersey City kind of becomes a character here, and it's pretty in your face, and you and I love it. I mean, I love the the stuff with the family and how it connects with, like, you know, Kamala's story. I love the sets. I, I love that whole, like, I think it was called Eid Mubarak, whatever it was, um, yeah. that celebration. And it it just feels, you know, hustling and bustling in a way that um, a lot of the recent Marvel offerings have not. And not for nothing, again, I think Marvel, the casting in Marvel has been, generally speaking, like A-plus, hitting it out of the park with everything they ever do. I, I mean, it's it's rare that they, off, that they actually miss when it comes to casting. And here it is no exception because, um, man, Kamala is such a natural, endearing, like human being. Like it's finally it, – it's, it's great that she's giving the name Kamala a good name because the current vice president is such a robotic, like artifice, like affectless uh, personality. No one could possibly relate to that. Uh, and then you look at um, Kamala Khan here and she's just so, you know – She's just bright and full of joy, and it's just someone that you could picture yourself, like, having a full-blown, like, conversation with, and it's honestly pretty impressive to be feeling, like, this positively about a character just two episodes in. So, I mean, it, it it's great, and it's not just her. I mean, all the other characters come into their own, and... I think just continue to reinforce that. If there's one thing I'm not sure how I feel about just yet, and it's kind of scaring me because it's one of those things that reminds me of, oh yes, here is the larger MCU sneaking its in its way into this wonderful little story. Kind of like how WandaVision and S.W.O.R.D. and those people had to come into the story and also explain who they are and, the, and remind the audience of the larger MCU and blah, 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 blah. These, I, what are these? Are these cops? Are the FBI agents? These assholes that we saw in No Way Home that arrested Peter. Who are these people? Are they the FBI? Are they like like local and like NYC cops? Um, I think they're some kind of different organization because they mentioned the FBI uh, in the episode. They said like, oh, we have to be careful about this. We know the FBI is already looking into them. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. So are they FBI then? No, I think they might be a different organization. One that specifically deals with superpower people, maybe? Okay, but why? Again, I don't... (laughs) Yeah, that's... I'm really irritated at this point. Okay, look. (laughs) Okay, you know, I wasn't even thinking that, but thank you for saying it because 
There's also that. Yeah. Say that and then also get the actual people from S.H.I.E.L.D. because they were much kinder and like competent people than these mm. bumbling assholes who let me just be real about you. I mean, about about how I feel right now. Um, whoever this lead detective is, I don't know if he's like some sort of like fan favorite now after his like scenes in No Way Home. But he just seems like a, I don't know, an unlikable dick. Like, there's nothing about his presence that I care for in the least. And when he shows up on this show, I just, like, am pissed off immediately. And, okay, sure, I don't like the character. Not the act. The actor's fine. But the character is, like, whatever. But it's also just kind of infuriating because, like, why do we need this? Why is the storyline in here? Again? Like, I- I'm I'm asking you legitimately, what's, what's the point right now of this being in this show... But then also, in-universe, what? Is there now this, like, agency that just rounds up, like, super-powered people and, like, locks them up now? Or, like, what? Maybe not super-powered people, but superheroes in general. Uh, This this mainly has to do with... Is Shield still around? Is or maybe it could be Sword too? Um, these people. It's just the, or is it the but, fucking uh, Sokovia Accords that still yeah, are a thing? And again, again, look, I know we've we've already I've already bitched so much about like the things that exist already in this universe. But can we can can we take the time to like revisit that again? Because mm-hmm. can we like the Sokovia Accords were such bullshit, and I feel like we made that pretty clear. If the Sokovia Accords didn't exist. We might have had a chance, a good chance at that, to stop half of the universe from being snapped out of existence. Mm -hmm. The Sokovia Accords destroyed the Avengers. It hindered heroes from being where they needed to be to stop this menace. I do not understand how many times it needs to be proven what utter crap this ideology is. Right? Like, Mm -hmm. why is that? Why did we... We went through all of that. And seemingly learned nothing, and we're continued to like. Okay, I mean, there's nothing wrong, entirely. Let me be honest with you, with like okay, registering and monitoring, even though it does put them at you know their safety at risk. Fine, but it becomes a whole different issue where you want to basically sanction what they can and can't do, and that's ultimately why Thanos won. It was one of the aspects for why he won. One of the things that kept our heroes from having a successful day. And I'm sorry, like, I thought that was pretty fucking clear, even in the movie Civil War, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I think the, right, like, I know ultimately, as far as the politics are concerned, Civil War wasn't as concerned by the end of that movie, but Cap was right. The movie sided with him. Those accords were wrong. And yet here we are, what? Five, six, seven years later, and we're still with them? Mm-hmm. Anyway, how do you... I, I know I, I went on this tangent, but um, can you first address how you feel about this FBI or whatever whatever the organization these people belong to? How do you feel about that storyline? And then get on to your overall feelings on this episode, which is otherwise pretty great episode. Mm-hmm. Um, those agents. Uh, I mean, actually, I like the agent himself. Uh, <laughs> I just, I kind of like the way he always approached the way he approached, um, like Ned and the rest of the other people. Um, 
in uh, No Way Home. I thought it was mm-hmm. really funny, and then he did it again in this one. I just kind of like how he sort of played the good cop in this situation and got her to talk more information and all that. I, found, I just found it funny. Um, as to what's going to happen with them, I don't know. I got a feeling... I honestly have a feeling that they're going to work together at the end just because of that little mention of the FBI that they're already investigating them. I got a feeling that it's going to... It... They're gonna. It, I got a feeling that they might work together somehow because the FBI is looking into someone that maybe they got the wrong information about, and mm-hmm. so Kamala is gonna like work with them to kind of like maybe prove someone's innocence or maybe uh, stop the person who's doing something bad there. I don't know. Right. So that's my guess. Uh, on that though, David, to be let's just build on that particular point since we're already at at this. You, something that you just made me think about. Um, one of your questions about last week was there didn't seem to be a clear threat, mm-hmm. and here we are with another episode, and there's no indication of a, of an adversary of sorts, mm-hmm. let alone a rival. Uh, unless I'm wrong, did you um, see anybody in here that was introduced as some kind of like adversary or I don't somebody they come into conflict with? I don't think we're gonna get like a major villain for uh, Miss Marvel or just someone who she has to like. Which, by the way, I'm cool with. Yeah, I don't yeah, need yeah. One. No, honestly, yeah, I really did, did like my idea. <laughs> like, we don't really need a villain. We just need uh, her to kind of like build herself up as up as a hero and you know, really feel like, you know, New Jersey has someone now or something, you know, or, uh, but the ending of this episode, uh, I wouldn't say this person might be the villain, but like, maybe there might be something shady going on. Uh, like literally like the very end of the episode, you see me, we meet someone. Uh, so I don't know what's going to, what's going to happen with them, but yeah, I, uh, this episode kind of made me think more that we're probably not going to get like a big villain someone to go toe-to-toe with Miss Marvel at the very end. Mm-hmm. I also, it also made me wonder, well, since we're on this whole thing with, like, what these agents, um, with whatever, whoever they represent, I wonder, perhaps, do you think, and honestly, uh, why I'm I'm going there is because the MCU is very predictable, right? So, they like to bring in side characters from other stories, and they're usually there to serve the purpose of tying everything into this universe, right? So, for example, you had Sword, but more specifically with Sword, you had faces who you saw before. Mm-hmm. You had Jimmy Woo from Ant-Man and the Womp Womp, and you had Darcy from Thor and Thor the Dark World. Okay. Well, here we have two... I'm not sure if the lady was in No Way Home. I don't. I don't remember. But the guy mm-hmm. was from No Way Home, and we do know in 2023, I believe, early at that, there is going to be a movie called The Marvels, which features Carol Danvers, Monica Rambeau, and Kamala Khan. Mm-hmm. I have to think they're here, and this is here eventually. 
to tie Kamala directly to what happens in the Marvels, where she'll uh, team up with Carol Danvers and with Monica Rambeau. I think that's what this is here for. Mm-hmm. Which I don't need. And that's annoying because, like, if you want to, like, realistically speaking, again, we don't know where this storyline is going to go and we don't know how it'll tie into everything else. So I know I don't have all of what this is going to be yet. So I'm just like throwing out guesses here. But if you wanted to connect Kamala Khan to the other Marvels, you could do that pretty easily in a post credit scene in the last episode. Mm-hmm. Like that's all you need. You don't got to like interweave a whole ass storyline in the middle of this series like they did with WandaVision for that purpose. And then even with WandaVision, they still had a post credit scene that, honestly, I'm not even sure what it was teasing. Was it teasing Secret Invasion? Was it teasing the Marvels? I have no fucking clue. Because is Monica Rambeau even in Secret Invasion? Not that I know of. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's evidence of something that's persistently annoyed me throughout. And I'm grateful that shows like Moon Knight didn't have anything like that. And so the jury is out on what this is, but this is an area of concern already. Um, But again, not knowing where it's going to go. So there is that. Okay, David. Now, since we've discussed that. Your overall feelings on this episode? Uh, it was nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it just this on this really did solidify though uh, how much how great um, the actress playing Miss Marvel is. Um, mm-hmm. She was really funny in this episode, and I loved the way her confidence built up because of what happened uh, in the last episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was just really more more of the family dynamic. We got more of her community this time. The first episode was about her family. This one, this one though, has to do with her community. Um, and we get like a little training montage to build up her power. So that's cool. I, mm-hmm. I hope we get more as we go along. How are you liking with how the powers are looking like? Um, yeah, From a VFX I, standpoint. Oh, VFX. Uh, yeah, I mean, they looked fine. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the only part that I kind of was like, oh, that's kind of weird, was uh, CGI of her, uh, Miss Marvel, the way she would uh-huh. jump around. I was just kind of like, okay, that's probably not her. <laughs> uh, Do you feel they're doing a good enough job of, like, clarifying what these powers are? Understanding, of course, that I think we're at a point where we're so early into the show that they still haven't really fully explained what she can do because a lot of this episode is her figuring out what she can and can't do and it's still altogether not so super clear because she thinks there is a point where it is you know specified she does not have super strength so that's mm-hmm. out of the window but there's also a scene where bruno confirms that it's not coming from the bracelet or whatever it was that's part of it but it mostly is coming from within her which mm-hmm. is very interesting yeah, that that was actually pretty interesting, and um, I would say just uh, I won't say complaint, but like my one little thing about her powers is just that you know we see her practicing like these platforms and all that, but they didn't really explain how she like keeps them 
solidified. <laughs> like, right. she kisses him strong there. I, I don't know. We just, I kind of wish we had an explanation of that. Because, I mean, I mean, it's fine that, like, you know, we see her practicing, trying to, like, make sure they don't break, make sure she keeps her balance and all that. Uh, and all, uh, I just kind of wish, like, okay, what what does her mind have to do to keep them strong? I don't know. Well, one thing, David, I wanted to point out, again, giving credit where credit is due. Because I know I dish out a lot of, like, nitpicks and, like, things that I don't like about a lot of these shows. Again, overall, I I am really loving Miss Marvel. I want to be real. The same way I'm loving Mo- – I loved Moon Knight. Um, but we did give a lot of shit to Moon Knight, particularly with some really wonky-looking um, visual effects. Mm-hmm. In particular, I think in the in the first few episodes, when they were supposed to be out in the streets – and a lot of those skies, a lot of those backgrounds were like awful. Mm-hmm. Just like, whoa, what happened here? Um, here in Miss Marvel, I'm not seeing an issue anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's and again, it, it, the scope is not necessarily as grand as some of the stuff that was like, you know, I guess Moon Knight was doing. But again, being even further, furtherly fair, Moon Knight wasn't doing that big of a stuff. Wasn't that grand of a scale either. Mm-hmm. And they're outside a lot here, but and again, maybe they got better. But it looks like they actually shot outside. <gasps> they they shot outside. It's Marvel. Mm-hmm. They went outside and they and they went on location. I mean, that's what it looks like. Unless you caught some things, David, that I'm not that I couldn't see as far as like backgrounds or visuals are concerned. Uh, no, it was just that little training montage that we got uh, that I really noticed it. Uh, right. Nothing else really. Yeah. Also, uh, I have never really lived in a big city. The closest I can compare it to is, well, that's not true. I have lived in a big city. I've lived in San Diego, Mm -hmm. but not really in the heart of the city. And I've also lived in Washington, D.C., but that's, well, that's a different thing. So they're doing this training montage on the rooftop, right? And stop me if, like, you thought this as well. But the whole time I'm thinking, okay, but like, there are buildings surrounding all of them with mm-hmm. windows. Is literally like no one watching this? Hmm. Right? Like, yeah. they're on the rooftop, but it's not as if nobody can see them. Like, nobody on the street can see them. But there are taller buildings. Granted, a, a great deal distance away, but... I don't know. I feel like if you're, mm-hmm. no, I get it's you. An, it it, it yeah. is a nitpick again. Not a not a real criticism. It's just one thing that's like, well, hmm. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, there's a bunch of reasons why they wouldn't get caught. Uh, but I mean, ultimately, I don't know. It, hmm. yeah. Ultimately, it, it does not matter. Mm-hmm. It makes no difference. It's just something I I I thought when I saw it. Um. Okay. Uh. Other observations of this episode, um, I really love this family. Mm-hmm. I really do. They're doing such an amazing job getting me to care so much about them. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, the mom, the dad, even the brother, it's like their their conversations at the dinner table are so hilarious. But they're also quite dramatic as well. Like that whole thing with partition – is not something that I'm used to Marvel. I'm used to Marvel addressing because Partition is a huge historical event 
for Pakistani and Indian people. Um, it, it broke up the country based on religion it happened in the 1940s. Um, you know, very few stories in the West have really addressed it. I know in our history classes, they never taught that part of history. And I know, I think you and I, David, have a previous exposure to this. And I'm going to be real with you. I think one of the, the only way I know about of partition and what that was in the, in the nation of India was through TV shows, namely The Crown and Doctor Who. Literally, I think my introduction, I think the tape is on the history and the library is uh, records of, of this um, podcast years ago. I think it was 2018 when Doctor Who aired Demons of the Punjab. It was, I think, the fifth or sixth episode of the uh, rather lackluster 11th season. But I think it was the best episode of that season, easily. Yeah. And it was also rather interesting because... It, it it played like a historical, a classic historical Doctor Who episode, but it was rather informative because this was a part of history I had no idea of, mm -hmm. like, at all. Um, and then there's also, it's in the background, but on The Crown, um, Matt Smith plays Prince Philip and his uncle, I believe, what do they call his uncle? Uncle, um, I forgot what it was. But later on in the series, he's played by Charles Dance. I do not recall who plays him in the in the first two seasons. But remember, there was a whole th uh, plot line, I think, in uh, in the first season where some people were pissed off that Elizabeth was marrying a Mountbatten because Philip's uncle, well, for a lot of reasons, like Philip's own personal like family had connections to Nazi Germany. That was one thing. But then a lot of the uh, British elites were upset with Lord Mountbatten, his uncle, because he was known as the man that gave away India. What began partition in the first place because the English Empire had India in their control. And then they basically pulled out, allowed them to become independent, but also not really because that kind of, you know, ended up being divided off on whether or not you were Hindu or Muslim. And then... There was, you know, Pakistan, which is mainly Muslim and mainly uh, the heritage of this family, Kamala's family, Pakistani. Mm -hmm. And then you have um, Bangladesh and then the rest of India. So it is a complicated and obviously very sensitive piece of history. And I, for one, am not used to anything in the MCU taking this much time to address it. And it seems like it's not going to be a one-off thing because they do use that to establish a bit of a rather dramatic history with not just Kamala's own mother, but it seems like Kamala's grandmother, Aisha, I believe mm -hmm. is what the name that they used here. And I think, at least my thinking is, that's going to tie in directly to this bracelet that Kamala has and then how her wherever her powers come from. And it's also going to be used to um, further uh, divide and maybe eventually reckon, uh, you know, unite Kamala and her own mother. That's where I'm seeing this thing going. Um, but seeing characters who have personal histories or their lineage have a, a connection with this, you know, big historical set piece – sit down and discuss it. That was a great sequence. Um, and again, not something we're used to on that. 
mm-hmm. your thoughts on that particular moment or that? Um, no, I mean, it was nice. And I actually forgot about that Doctor Who episode until like you just like mentioned what it was. Well, exactly. Because it's season 11. You'd rather forget mm-hmm. it. Yeah. No, I mean, but you were right. Though, that was actually one of the best episodes. Uh, it was interesting to hear, to hear about that and all that. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is one thing that I'm glad about this show, this character in particular, just because, like, we're gonna get into stuff that we just have absolutely no idea about. I know for sure I have absolutely no about, no idea about this culture. And, uh, no, no. So I really hope we get more, more of it, um, and see how maybe just that history of itself or whatever her culture, uh, not whatever, um, but her culture shapes her. <laughs> exactly and and, and I, uh, there was a moment that I saw resonate quite deeply uh, all throughout Twitter um, and this was a moment with Kamala's friend Nakia or Nakia um, who has a big thing that I think I guess her overall storyline for this series was introduced here what she's going to do but with um, there was this wonderful scene um in the bathroom where, you know, Nakia basically, you know, points to her um, hijab, which, again, I am not one in any way, shape or form to speak to what that represents, mm-hmm. the history of that and one's own personal decision to wear that because I'm not of that faith, ethnicity, culture, and I'm, I, I just – I can't speak to it. But what I can easily detect – is, you know, she's been through some stuff and she made a decision to wear that as not something that was obligated to her because of her faith, but because of her identity. And that was, again, just moments of power that you don't necessarily come to expect from something like this. And it really does help to build out, not just, again, like the history of of um, their culture, but then also the direction it's going and this new generation and where they may take it into it. it, Honestly, it's quite fascinating. Um, so yeah. Um, I guess we can go ahead and just start breaking down the episode and then we can get on to the other stuff that we, um, we noticed. So David, if you want to go ahead and I think this week we, Oh, I, I didn't even mention the, uh, I think it was Comron or the new um, boy toy that comes in here out of nowhere. We'll get to him. Uh, but that's a big part of this episode. So uh, where do we start off this week, David? Um, I think the first part is just her going to school. Um, in the first episode, we we just see her. How we see her walk in the first episode. We see her walking around, and it's always like, oh gosh, she's like dodging everyone. She's kind of being awkward. She doesn't talk to anyone. But in this one, we start right away, and again, she has this newfound confidence because she's like, I got powers now, like. You know, I'm gonna be a badass suit, and you know, but she's, uh, you know, she's like doing like these finger guns towards everyone. That one's kind of like the fuck is wrong with her, <laughs> uh, and everything. And I mean, it's just it's just funny, like thinking I didn't, didn't expect this sequence at all, and it's just, it was funny when it started and all that. Uh, which then she bumps into, she does bump so- into Comron at first. You know, that's when that, and then that's when her like confidence kind of like goes away a bit because she sees him and all that. But then she bumps, in, bumps into, into her friend and all, into, and all that. And well, I mean, she, her confidence goes away because she's, uh, 
distracted <laughs> a little bit by like I think she's a uh it's one of those things where you bump into a person and you kind of are just you don't know what to say cuz you're just so oh my god look at you <laughs> that's basically a kind of like uh trance that she was in um which I guess looking back on was more intentional than accidental um at least the bumping into mm-hmm. um shall we say but you're right. Then um, Nakia and Bruno come into the picture, um, and if I'm not mistaken, uh, Zoe also comes into the picture, and she's basically just like, "Oh my god, I was like with a superhero, and like I'm so popular now, and mm-hmm. oh my god, look at these followers, and I'm like uh, influencer, social media famous, and like give me attention, and I'm gonna sit down at this lunch table and like." basically hold court here while like I'm surrounded by all you people who clearly have nothing better to do than listen to me and my story. Mm. That's basically what happens. Not finding her to be very likable. Mm. <laughs> I'm just saying that right now. She's kind of a, well, she's not a bad person. She's just mm. kind of an airhead. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> I mean, she's just showing off and everything, even though it was like a... Taking credit for like, I guess, just being at a place, even though it's like she wasn't the person that had the powers or did anything. Mm-hmm. And then of course she stupidly bragged so much that she got picked up by the damn agents and was interrogated. So mm-hmm. I guess good job, Zoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also like that little part though, when she was, when they were at lunch and Nakia, uh, I can't remember her exact lines, but she was just like, she's showing off that she met this, like, what is it? Uh, oh no, no. I think it was discount. No budget. Captain Marvel. She budget, said budget. Captain, Captain Marvel. Marvel. Yeah. 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 And, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kamala was just like, "Thank you," and, she, and they're like, "What?" <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's 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 a great like double entendre in a way because like Nakia clearly meant that as an insult, like budget mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, and then like Kamala took it as a compliment, it's like "Thank you," and then like uh, Bruno Nakia was like, "What the fuck?" And then Bruno was like, "No, thank you for pointing it out," or something like that, mm-hmm. right? So the, Great moment of comedy right there. Loved it. Yeah, yeah, that's funny. We should also mention the comedy's on point in the show. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It, like, like seriously. Said, like I said, this solidified like that I really do like this actress playing Kamala. Um, uh, just to be clear, that we, we know her name, um, Iman. Iman. Her okay. name is Iman Vellani. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, so they're just having lunch and everything, and I think... Um, Kamala and Bruno, uh, they just they go somewhere else. <laughs> they go somewhere uh, somewhere in the school to just kind of like look at her powers. She wants to show it off and everything, and uh, she like she had trouble controlling it. Oh, did she like expands her hand and it starts getting mm-hmm. heavier and heavier, which is kind of an interesting thing. Um, oh yeah, she knocks some shit over, doesn't she? <laughs> she knocks some stuff over. <laughs> and she's like, saved your life. It's like, yeah, even though you nearly killed me, but cool. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they decide to train, and then this is where you get the training montage, basically. And so far, they're just building platforms, um, uh, just trying to get that out of the way. And she gets the idea of a video game, right? Like, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. to hop levels or something. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember how the training started. Like, I just noticed she was just kind of like powering it up and all that. Right. Uh, kind of analyzing it, and then yeah, Bruno's playing a video game where he's jumping through platforms mm-hmm. uh and so that's what they worked on first um and then oh, a couple of things that i know that we missed though back in that lunch scene uh Kamran walks in um and then zoe who 
again, I mean, it's pretty obvious, like, young, attractive guy. And she's like, oh, who are you? You should come to my party. Mm-hmm. Of course, right? Yeah. Um, and at that same point, she invites, I guess, it's an open invitation. Like, I think she makes it pretty clear anybody can come. And that's where I think Zoe or Kamala was like, yeah, we should go. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, Zoe and Kamala were like, we're not going to that party. But then she invites Kamran. And then Kamala goes, we should go to the party. And uh, Nakia is like is smiling, laughing at her because she's like, of course you want to go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So after the training... I think they go to the party, right? No, anyway, she gets home uh, and she has a little talk with her mom, basically apologizing for what happened the episode before and all that. She's just like, I just want you to be safe. Like, you know, that your safety is like my one number one priority and all that. Uh, then she tells her if she can go to the party. She says like Bruno and Akia are going, so like he'll be fine. She's mm-hmm. just like, all right, I guess. <laughs> uh and so that was that's also just nice to see that um I I know that we left things off rather not in the best place with like clearly how hurt her family was with like her initial rejection and also how much more upset her mom was when she found out that she came back um you know late in the night um but it was nice to see them kind of reconcile a little bit like you know make amends and her apologize for it and yeah, again, I love it. I, I love that she's not like super duper strict and and a hard ass, you know? Like mm-hmm. she can be, but she's not that all the time. And I appreciate that little bit of nuance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that kind of character, if she was like a hard ass the entire time, she would kind of grate on people. Like it, a little bit annoying mm-hmm. if that was the case, but it's not here. So it was nice um, mm-hmm. to see. Mm-hmm. Now. What's next? Uh, yeah, so they head off to the party. Um, uh, they meet up with some people and all that. And there was just this little moment where someone's like, hey, have a drink. And she's like, is there alcohol? No. She takes a drink. There was alcohol. And I was just like, the fuck, dude? <laughs> and she starts freaking out a little bit. She's like, am I drunk? And it's like, you took a sip. Also, she should have known. Like, did she? I mean, look, you know what kind of party you're at. I mean, look at the yeah. people who were there. Like, yeah, what do you yeah. think they're drinking? Apple juice? <laughs> Honestly, Please. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't be that dumb. Come mm. on. Don't be that fucking dumb. Somebody hands you a drink. Don't drink it. If you don't know the person, don't drink it. Just dump it out somewhere. Get your own drink. Yeah. Just be real about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Comron comes and makes a big spectacle by jumping in a pool. Yeah, he gets on top of the roof, jumps in the pool, and then, like, you know, she's fantasizing about him. I, I think she's just seeing, like, a bunch of hearts and all that. And uh, he goes up to her and she's like, here, standing on my shirt. Uh, she's like, oh, shoot, okay. <laughs> and then she's just being awkward the whole time. She's like, she can't remember her name and all that. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Bruno's getting a little bit jealous and all that. And then someone goes, cops are coming because they're all drinking alcohol and shit. And then uh, some people start freaking out. But then Kamran's like, oh, I got a car, just go with me. Fuck it. And they get out, which... That was kind of short uh, of a scene, you know, they go, right? they go going to the party. I kind of wish we could have gone like a little bit more, see maybe right. how the rest interact around other people and all that. I, f- I feel like you could have gotten a lot more out of it. Mm. So, but I mean, I think I think it was just a purpose to kind of like uh, get to Comron uh, and all that. Which uh, I mean, I actually did like the scene when they were in the car, uh, like 
Kamran and Kamala, as soon as they start, start talking and all that, for, uh, noticing that they got stuff in common. Uh, I found it kind of interesting. Like, I was actually kind of like, oh, hey, this guy's, I don't know why, I don't know how, but like, even I was like, oh, hey, this guy's pretty cool, I guess. <laughs> so, uh, it was, it was another okay scene. Mm-hmm. And then Bruno's getting more and more jealous. I mean, clearly, um, and I don't know if, um, God, guys can be such dicks sometimes, but I mean, first of all, how does Kamala not pick up on the fact that Bruno's into her? I thought she was into him actually in the last episode because there was that moment. There was a there was a look, right? Yeah, there was part of her. Yeah, and, but then like it got cut off. Mm-hmm, and, and you know, I saw some videos and people were kind of like, "Oh, she's gonna friends on him," and I was like, "Is she?" It, like, does she want to? Because, like, she was the one that... It was Bruno that was the one that looked away when they were looking at each other. So I was kind of like, oh, he's the one that doesn't want to ruin this friendship or something, you know? Because I, th- I, I really thought in my mind that Kamala wants to kind of, like, keep this going forward. But it's Bruno though that's the one that doesn't want to, like, ruin the friendship. Uh-huh. So I don't know. So I found that kind of weird that, like, he was getting super jealous about it. Uh, and... Kamala was um, hitting on this new guy and all that. So, I don't know. Uh, I mean, it seems to suggest clearly that he is a lot more into her <laughs> than, first of all, than we, I think, thought of in the first episode. And then a, clearly a lot more than Kamala, who clearly just seems to be aloof to this even being a thing in the first place. So, um, yeah, that dynamic is immediately like just, which apparently is a... This triangle of sorts is something that's in the comics from what I heard. So there is that. But then also the Kamran just like intentionally just called him Brian. (laughs) Like really? Really, man? Like you remember like these people who we don't even know in the background, but you just call him Brian? Like, all right. We see what you did there. (laughs) Uh, Fuck you. (laughs) Basically. Um, Yeah. What happened? No. The next thing that we saw was Kamala going to her home, right? Because um, there was this wonderful scene where she walks in and then she's like having a dance sequence in her mind, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was like, I love that. <laughs> that, was, that was, that was, that was, that was great. And then like she gets close to her parents and like the whole music stops and everything. She's just, they're right. just like, oh, hey, how's the party? She's like, it was nice. And then she, the whole dancing thing starts again. Yeah, it was funny. I liked it. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, it was Guess what, guys? That's an example of character. Mm-hmm. That's an example of stylization. You know, something that's uh, you don't see all the time. And so, again, I'm very thankful for the Marvel powers that be to have granted a little bit more leeway with these creators being able to provide this series with a signature stamp of sorts. So, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Now... Um, if I'm not mistaken, what we see next then is, um, school happens. Yeah. So the, that whole dancing sequence, it ends with her texting Kamran and they say, Uh he says that, um, he's like driving lesson on Monday. She's like, yeah, sure. Then it cuts to the school and I think it's with Bruno, um, Mm -hmm. him talking to the guidance counselor. Yes. And he got into Caltech like this, um program i don't know if it was what it was exactly like a summer program or something i don't know uh uh to kind of like just start off his way into that college but it's in 
it's in California. And, you know, he just started this thing with Kamala about getting her powers and all that. So it's kind of like a bad time. He wants to be there right. with her. I mean, I'm sure he just doesn't want to leave her. But at the same time, though, like, it is kind of like a bad time because he wants to help her with these powers and hopefully be a good superhero and all that. Uh, but, you know, after that little conversation, he meets up with her outside. He wants to tell her, but she's like, uh, no, first she invites him to that thing. I forgot what it's called. Um, the Eid Mubarak. I have no, I can't say that. <laughs> I think it, I think it's the Eid Mubarak. Yeah. 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 That the festival, whatever the festival. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Say that. <laughs> uh, she invites him to the festival. Festival. Uh, he tries to tell her about Caltech, but she's like, "Oh, can we talk another time?" Because she has that lesson. And yeah, they drive basically. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, we're all jumbled up here because I think I, I'm I'm sorry. So let's just go through with this right. So um, Kamran uh, gives Kamala a driving lesson, and they go have lunch or something, and then they end up encountering. Kamala's brother and his fiance, and then like they make contact and they're able to easily bamboozle their brother into thinking like he was their cousin, which is hilarious. I don't think the 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 girlfriend was as convinced, but mm. they're like, we got to go now. Yeah. So, and I don't think anything more is established there than Kamran saying he's very close with his mom. Mm-hmm. So. We'll see where that goes, but uh, that's an interesting element. Mm. We did skip over um, the whole scene in the bathroom between Nakia and um, Kamala, I think, because she begins to – her nose starts lighting up out of nowhere, and then other parts. Mm. So she has to go hide in the bathroom. Nakia thinks it's some kind of period-related business, and that's when she hands her a tampon or something, and then it's not what it was. And they have like a discussion in the bathroom – which also reminds me of the other scene we skipped, which is rather important, which was Nakia and Kamala going to the mosque. Mm. And we saw that whole world where they have to take a side entrance because they're girls. Mm-hmm. You know, the girls take a different entrance than the men. Uh, the conditions in which their uh, facilities are in are far from great. And we see, of course, the degree of separation where they're basically off in the back where they can't hear or see the um, imam or whatever the main guy in charge is. And I found it quite humorous that um, in the middle of a lecture or something, the imam was like, uh, Kamala, or not Kamala, but no talking during the lecture. And then Kamala like took the time to... I don't even recall what she said, but she had some kind of like sassy remark and the, and the imam kind of like took it in stride and was like, oh, Kamala, uh, you know, they have obviously a rapport of some sort where like he appreciates her and is kind of like treated it as like a funny thing and not as like super serious as some people in that position of power would treat it. And like, I know a lot of people in a church, not the or whatever church they belong to, it probably use a moment like that to like humiliate her or like you know uh, condemn what she was saying or how rude or disrespectful but I was happy that that wasn't what we saw here and that was a a far more tame situation but um what was established here clearly is um Nakia's uh decision to run for I think 
the board of the church or the mosque, I should say, or something. I don't know. Um, but yeah, that's a whole different thing that I myself wasn't expecting to to see into. What are your thoughts on this storyline of like Nakia running for <coughs> this board position? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, yeah, actually, yeah. Can't believe I actually forgot about that. Uh, I know that's a lot. Yeah, uh, but uh, I'm kind of liking it. Uh, uh, her motivating her friend to kind of take charge, help out the other women in the mosque, uh, kind of like make things equal between both of them, the men and the women, and all that. Uh, so it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we we see that come back a little bit in the Eid Mubarak, where she, um, she I mean. Maybe she's a natural politician because she got to work straight away. She's got those flyers and she's like negotiating with um, some of her constituency with like what she would do for them Mm -hmm. if they like put up the flyers as a, you know, a show of support. Even launching, you know, Kamala and Bruno to um, go into all of the different cliques, which that in and of itself was fascinating. Mm -hmm. All the different like. (laughs) The Insta Clicks or the Insta Click or whatever, or even the Illuminantes, the, <laughs> which was name. hilarious. That's so funny. Oh my god! But I mean, we—it's not that hard to piece together the dynamics of these different clicks, and that's so funny. But I thought it was so amazing and hilarious how she freaking just went to town and put Kamala's dad on the spot mm. because his best friend is running for that same position and she was like not taking that and was like well i'm kind of your daughter's best friend and Mm. you wouldn't want to like crush our hopes and dreams now would you (laughs) basically like that's i mean (laughs) it was pretty fucking clever and i loved the dad's reaction was like (laughs) like, what do i do (laughs) i don't know what to do here it's like so he just took the flyer yeah and the guy was just like what are you doing (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, no, yeah, I really did love his reaction the whole time. Which is kind of like, uh, I, I really don't know here. Uh, um, so yeah, that whole sequence, and I, I don't, I don't think I get much of my thoughts, but I really did like that scene between her, uh, Kamran and Kamala in the bathroom, and her powers are kind of going crazy. Uh, mm-hmm. I really did like that scene, just kind of like talking about, um embracing her culture to kind of like show who she really is to people uh so yeah it was a nice scene so yeah then they get they get to the festival and yeah you see all the little clicks in the in that place and everything um and then at one point kamala does talk to the illuminati aunties (laughs) (laughs) uh and finally, someone bring up the subject about her grandma, and you see all these rumors. One of them saying, "Like, uh, I know one of them was that she murdered someone." That's when everyone starts freaking out and all that. Um, the other rumors, I think that she left someone or something, or I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, just all these crazy things, and so, but yeah. she has no idea which what's what's true. Connects back to a scene we also forgot about, which is the dinner scene, right? Because it's established that uh, Kamala's mom is rather sore about like the history that they were trying to tell the brother's um, fiance, and while that history is unfolding, something happens to Kamala where she just kind of like faints, mm-hmm. and she sees this like spirit or something is summoned where she can see it. 
And uh, on the lighter side of things, I appreciated how, like, um, when she woke up, like, all three – it was so funny to see, like, her brother, her dad, and her mom, like, doing different things to try to wake her up. Like, her, like I think her mom was, like, throwing water at her. Mm-hmm. The dad was – you know, shaking her or something. And then the brother was like fucking singing and praying and like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. That was so good. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> I like that singing part. It was funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. I forgot about that scene too. My gosh. Um, We're all over the place. It's fine. I know. It's, it's, it's like, I feel like a party was kind of like, not a lot happened, but then you just bring these up and I'm like, oh dang, a lot did happen. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Oh, and also we forgot the... <laughs> She FaceTimed her grandma. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that part. Yeah. <laughs> um, she FaceTimed her grandma asking her uh, about her other grandma, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she didn't feel... Com- oh, that's my dogs. Um, she didn't oh. feel... <laughs> she didn't feel comfortable talking about it about uh, talking about it through the phone. It's more of a subject that she should talk about about her mom and everything. And she did, actually, the next day... Um, and she just kind of like shut down that. Well, she that, tried to. Yeah, she tried she to. She tried to. But yeah. it was like, no, from mm-hmm. the very beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a touchy subject. And I really hope it pays off, honestly. Like, I kind of hope. They're building a lot to it. That's for sure. Yeah, building on to it. And I, I mean, I got a feeling like the real story, you know, it's probably going to be sad and we're probably going to feel bad for her and all that. But I think for sure it's going to be, you know, maybe the mom might have gone the wrong story or something or uh misinformation from everyone so i I think it would be cool though if kamala tells him like no this is actually what happened you know she did this she saved someone's life or something i don't know uh so i really hope that kind of like i really hope that happens and kind of brings them closer together that'd be cool uh but yeah so okay now uh, so yeah she's she's talking to the aunties they tell her all these rumors and all that she doesn't know what to believe and then we cut to this kid on top of this tower taking pictures of the whole festival it's like i was just like really uh, okay <laughs> um it seemed like a weird cut to like why are we here all of a sudden mm-hmm. but then we know why yeah you could tell what's gonna happen and i'm just kind of like okay i guess uh first of all what a dumbass yeah <laughs> Uh, really come on mm. like i guess like you can always say that kids are stupid right yeah I guess. and they always will be in some way but like really mm. was that your sister that was my dad oh, okay so, <laughs> uh, dude he's been doing Jesus. that all day and i'm just kind of like oh my god why like i honestly feel like he's doing it on purpose or something <laughs> is it the covid or is it just he's just coughing because he's coughing i think it might be covid Oh shit! Yeah. Oh wow. We should have mentioned that. You know, I don't know if Alexis Moreno listens to us. I think she does, but she just got diagnosed with COVID. So congratulations on turning the cult of COVID, mm. as she says. No, no, she's probably in pain. Uh, our condolences. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, You're fine, it seems. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't feel. Sad. I mean, I don't know. My nose has always been stuffy. I've been coughing for who knows how long. So uh, it's just, it's just normal know, <laughs> yeah. for me. Um, uh yeah so the kids she's almost falling off uh kamala sees it and she tries to save the day she had her costume ready cool <laughs> um and so she's she's trying to like distract the kids like oh tell me what you like it's like what's your favorite food and it's just like ice cream and pizza it's like oh two separate things like no together she's like that's weird but okay 
And then finally she starts making these platforms. Everyone's looking at them uh, and everything. And finally, uh, she's finally like underneath him and that kid starts to fall. And she's like, oh, I got you and everything. But like, she like basically slams into her breaking the platform. But like, she makes another one. They land and then they save the day. Um, as she's about to get him off the platform that she made into the roof safely, uh, she has like another vision, I guess, uh, of possibly her grandma. And uh, that. Or great grandma. Great grandma, sorry. Um, and she. Cool. Gets yeah. distracted enough that the platform breaks, and so the kid's falling. So she just keeps making multiple and multiple, but the keeps kid keeps falling over, and finally lands on the car. And I think possibly his ankle got broken. And so Kamala she starts freaking out because she's kind of like, "Oh my gosh, I literally almost killed this kid." Um, I kind of wish we kind of stayed with that emotion a bit, uh, but sadly we didn't because of those agents that we see in the beginning, or not the beginning, or. At one point, they found they find her and uh, try to get her, but she does a fairly good job at like defending herself <laughs> and getting away from them. Uh, mm-hmm. And so she winds up like basically like going over the agents over this truck. And when she landed, that's when Comron uh, comes by, picks her up. Which uh at first i was kind of like okay don't take off your helmet <laughs> don't show him who you are or something like that i just thought he came by at the right time and he's just like hey it's a girl from the video it's like she tried to save a kid I'll no he knew who she was yeah and it mm-hmm. becomes rather clear that none their meeting was no accident mm-hmm. her him inviting her to do driving lessons was no accident it was all very much premeditated mm-hmm. um which makes you really curious what's happening here like are these you know come on and his mom there to help Kamala find her way, or are they basically Agatha Harkness and they see an opportunity to take some power? Yeah. I don't know. Um, because, like, uh, I don't know. I didn't necessarily get a good vibe from the mom. Mm. But again, it's too early to see. Yeah, it is. To be sure one way or the other. Yeah, it is hard to like, okay, clearly they knew who she was from the beginning. Probably know about her powers from the beginning. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's good intentions. <laughs> Starting off this way. So, yeah. And then, yeah, that's the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was a lot that we went into, but yeah. uh yeah, um no, I thought it was uh, great and uh more evidence. I feel that we should have had more than six episodes. Mm. Just putting that out there right now, but again we will see once this thing comes to its conclusion. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in this week. A uh, reminder that our four hundredth episode is next time with Peter. Um and of course we've got more content on the way with Lightyear Stranger Things Elvis and so much more Mm. Um, of course Obi-Wan and uh, more to come so keep it here under our spotlight and we will see you next time bye bye